0: Hello, and welcome to Unraveled. Unraveled is a podcast series and radio show that is based on deeply researched content that analyze state world issues and policies in Africa. Unraveled will amplify youth led responses amid global emergencies in African countries and help in cross-national learning of emergency response strategies, Unraveled is powered by Generation Democracy of the International Republican Institute. Hello and welcome to the Unraveled podcast. In this podcast series, where we analyze statewide issues and policies in Africa, and of course, this episodes will review, you know, and amplify youth-led responses, and of course, shows how the management and government strategies across nations in Africa on COVID nineteen pandemic today. We will be speaking to one of the alumni of the Generation Democracy in Zimbabwe, that is Sita Belli Dewa, I'm the founder and executive director of Women Academy for Leadership and Political Excellence. Um, you know she's um, is one of the founding members and uh, former deputy director of Heal Zimbabwe Trust, where among many projects, she spearheaded the creation of women's safe space for reconciliation. Okay, thank you so much, um, Dewa.
1: Thank you, mate.
0: Um, she's an alumni of the Generation Democracy, um, and she's from Zimbabwe. Um, looking at it in, uh, in Africa, the COVID-19 pandemic in Africa, um, somewhat, some way, um, it has been seen as if a level of success is attained in Africa in fighting against this pandemic, you know. Um, the World Health Organization actually said that the heartbreak may have passed its peak, and that's according to the BBC News. Um, of course, um, the World Health Organization wants um, government in Africa to not be complacent, you know, and a whole lot. Uh, as at 38 September, the current figures in the, in the region represent just 3.5% of the confirmed cases around the world. And just 2.6% of the death reported, you know, around the world. The, The question, um, in the mind of many is, um, what is responsible for this level of success as being said that, uh, being seen or witnessed in Africa?
1: Okay, I think that's a very difficult question to uh, answer because right now I'll speak, um, giving an a, a case Zimbabwe is the case study. Here Zimbabwe, uh, the government has tested less than 15% of the total population. So we don't know who has COVID and who doesn't and who has um, recuperated from the virus. So I'm not sure whether the results that are being uh, put are a true reflection of what is happening on the ground. It, it, it's not only Zimbabwe. I think one of the countries that has had um, major success cases of testing, uh, huge mass testing, um, I'll give an example of South Africa and Randa and other countries. So it's very difficult to test to confirm that indeed there are very few cases within the African continent when the number of that have been administered to date are still very low.
0: Hmm. so you, you believe that um uh, the the te- testing capacity in african countries uh, you cited the example of zimbabwe which we still talk extensively on um you said it might be difficult to beat our chest to say we are successful in the fight against covid right
1: yes sure because well, it's not a true reflection of what is on uh, the ground and as you know most african countries have high very high uh, temperatures, something that can actually be attributed to the low number of cases, that is still guesswork because it has not been scientifically proven. So the statistics that are getting from the government, it's not a true reflection of what is happening on the ground as long as there is no mass testing, mass uh, contact tracing, and uh, mass quarantining of all the suspected testing cases of COVID-19. Again, most of the cases that we have been seeing are those who are either have reported ill or are coming from outside the country. Those are the ones who are giving most of the attention. But what about those people that they are mixing and mingling with in communities? What about the local cases? No one really knows what is happening. So I feel it's a bit early and premature to start celebrating that Africa indeed has Low number of cases and we also have people who are succumbing to diseases uh, that are being suspected to be malaria so no one really knows whether it's really malaria or COVID-19 and some of the people who are dying at home, most of them are not being tested for COVID-19 uh, in terms of post-mortem so you can't really tell that there is more low mortality in Africa as long as we don't do contact, mass contact tracing and uh, testing
0: Okay. Uh, well, majority of um, um, Africans, or um, of course, um, I mean, scientists also share the same um, score of thought that there is need for mass testing. Um, well, however, uh, the, the question uh, there was um, a particular reference some 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 months back. I mean, precisely like um, early September, late August. Um, the government of um, the Zimbabwe actually cited the lack of resources to defend the low figures as regards testing. Um, do you think the government lack resources for testing?
1: Um, Africa generally uh, is suffering from issues of mismanagement of resources and land theft and uh, abuse of office and Uh If you check the budgets, the national budgets of many countries, there is a huge budget even for things like security, the military, but with minimum resources they have and set aside to the health system. Unfortunately, COVID-19 came when most African countries are struggling with poor health facilities, with poor medical uh, medicines, and also uh, a high exodus of medical personnel in terms of nurses and doctors to developed countries. I'll, I'll again give an example of Zimbabwe. where Currently, doctors and nurses have been on strike for more than three to four months right now. So it means that the response to COVID 19 then becomes compromised. The doctors are working, the nurses without the required personal protective equipment, the funds that have been set aside to respond to COVID 19. We have a case in point of the former uh, Minister of Health who was sucked for corruption. You also have um, individuals who are linked to the first family who are linked to those in, in leadership, also involved in corruption, where it also uh, went beyond the uh, territorials of Zimbabwe to implicate countries like Namibia, where those involved, were now saying we have been doing deals with uh, companies in countries like Namibia, which later on uh, came out to be false. So I don't think that Africa does not have the resources to deal with COVID, but it's about misplaced priorities, issues of corruption and abuse of office.
0: Okay, Um, I want to quickly, um, let us quickly jump to that corruption part because a lot of um, Africans and even um, financial experts actually believe that um, corruption thrived a lot in Africa when it comes to um, the uh, COVID-19 resources, most especially in, in the relief fund. Or maybe um, fund funding from international partners to support the fight against COVID. Mm-hmm. That a lot of it um, in, in in Zimbabwe, um, what is what is um, transparency and accountability most especially during public procurement? How would you say that? Is there a way the citizens know how much was being that was um, uh, that they support the Zimbabwe government with, or possibly um, a platform where they track how much has been expended? Um, the expenditure, the revenue generated and every other thing. Is there a platform and a venue for that?
1: Uh, certainly not. It is one thing area that we are struggling with as Zimbabweans, as civil society organizations, where there is lack of transparency in terms of resources that have been set aside to fight COVID-19. And we have noticed that the information that is in the public domain is information of funds that have been do- donated by international organizations. But the contribution from the government and what it has been used for, is not clear is not out there for the public to scrutinize so there's clearly lack of transparency and accountability in terms of accounting for public funds and i also want to indicate that there's a lot of donor dependency in most african countries when it comes to the health sector because they know that um the international community will still chip in and then We have seen a lot of pandemics that have uh, come in our midst in the past, the ebolas, we have seen the, uh, even the mass cyclone, cyclones that have come and passed and how the international community has chipped in and assisted. assisted. So there is some form of complacency in terms of how the leadership there is such uh, catastrophes because they know at the end of the day that um, the help will come and the other unfortunate thing is most of these leaders they do not get treatment they don't, their family members they do not get treatment locally so they do not care, they do not mind whether the health system deteriorates because at the end of the day they will just live and go and seek medical services where um it's top notch where they can get first-class assistance. So it's something that we are also grappling with in Africa that really needs to, to improve in terms of uh, calling for accountability, calling for transparency from our leaders, whom the majority of them, them uh, are not making that much effort in terms of improving the local um, the local. The health services within the country, and it's so difficult for uh, people to access service health services in the urban areas. But worse for those who reside in the rural areas, is there are very few doctors and nurses who would want to work under inhuman conditions like that. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, like you said, the frontline um, workers, um, some of them have been on strike for like um, three months now, and um, looking at the even the working conditions and not totally good in the actual sense, well, um, there are a lot of um, areas that COVID-19 has impacted life um, since the heartbreak of the pandemic in Africa, generally in the world as a whole. Um, let, let's look at it from the angle of uh, policy and economy. Uh, different nations are responding to COVID-19 policy-wise with different strategies when it comes to policy, Well, in Zimbabwe, was oh, do, we, do we have a major policy? Um, tackling COVID-19 or towards COVID-19 in Zimbabwe?
1: It's just a trial and error taking each day as it comes. That's something that is very dangerous, especially when you're dealing with human beings. There is no clear strategy, policy, as to what needs to be done uh, going forward and even time to monitor and reflect on the mechanisms that have been used since uh, the first case of COVID-19 was recorded in Zimbabwe in March. There might be something that is written. I am not really sure, but in terms of implementation is zero. Because the kick-cut policies, laws and and, uh, regulations, we should that they are implementing, we should be seeing that on the ground, but there is absolutely nothing to show that there is a well thought out plan in terms of uh, responding to this pandemic. So they are just taking each day as it comes and maybe they are lucky, maybe we are lucky that we haven't had so many cases of people succumbing to the pandemic. Mm
0: Okay. Um, it's it's not really really written, or possibly it's not really obvious. The implementation is zero. Ah, well, um, I want us to um quickly um look at the economy uh, of of the nation. Generally, it's a general um assumption that um, COVID nineteen impacted economy drastically. But um, looking at available statistics, um, Zimbabwe was really, really—it's um, likely going to be hit so hard. Now, looking at it, the the economy um, shrink by 6.5% in 2019, but according to World Bank projections, there could likely be a further contraction of about 5 to 10% in 2020. Now, this is not about Zimbabwe alone. Generally, in Africa and in the world, there is. COVID-19 has imparted the economy. Um, what is the response of the government towards this? To actually rebuild, revive the economy?
1: Well, before COVID-19 came within our midst, Zimbabwe was suffering from gross misgovernancy, corruption, lack of transparency, gross human rights violations, lack of Democracy and good governance. The economy was already on its knees. So I don't think there's any economy to talk about in Zimbabwe, where, where you just wake up, there's a lot of monetary inc- policy inconsistencies, where you just wake up with a new currency that is not a currency, where you wake up um, being told that you're not using US dollars. Tomorrow it's something. Else. So there's a lot of fluctuations like, in terms of prices in the shops. Nothing is stable. And it's not only a case of Zimbabwe but across um many African countries, but there are other countries we have economies that were a bit stable before COVID nineteen. Those ones I think there is some room for improvement when cases of um of COVID nineteen subsidized but when it comes to Zimbabwe we still have a long way to go because our problems are beginning to COVID nineteen. Our Problems uh, emanate from perpetual contested elections. Uh, our problems emanate from lack of transparency and accountability in terms of national and natural resources. So there is really a lot of things that we need to do with as a country beyond the pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, um, expert uh, development expert around the world has actually projected that. Um, um, even beyond COVID-19, a um, lot of po- um, um, political uh, opportunists are using the COVID-19 as um, an avenue, you know, to actually even make citizens lose their voice or their voices. However, let us look at it from the perspective of the citizens. You know, it's very important. We've been asking about what the government is doing. Um, let's look at the um, area of the citizens, which I'm going to pick it from the youth. Right? Um, globally, um, youth, young persons around the world are really coming with innovations, um, trying their best, taking initiative to lead even from the front. As uh, I'm talking about the fight against COVID, right? Um, um, I, I know that um, in Zimbabwe, I, I don't think that should be an opposite situation. So, um, what, what are the, uh, the youths in Zimbabwe actually doing? Uh, when it comes to innovation, um, do we have innovations, initiatives taken by youth to fight against COVID-19 or as a response to the pandemic?
1: Um, there are youth who are trying in very innovative ways to also respond to the pandemic. But it's before the pandemic came, like I said, 90% of Zimbabweans are unemployed. Mm. So it means for you to be innovative, you need some form of resources. And this is something that is not easily available for the young people. The other challenge is uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has been used to trample our foreign fundamental human rights dignity of Zimbabwean students, uh, Zimbabwean citizens with uh, a lot of stringent uh, authoritarian uh, laws being put in place. Uh, we have seen the suspension of the constitution where the right to demonstrate petition and assembly has been uh, criminalized. So for young people to come together, to plan and also stand in solidarity with others to craft ways of uh, making sure that they also effectively contribute to the fight against COVID, they need a conducive and safe platform for them to do that since March to uh, August. Uh, the country was on lockdown, total lockdown, uh, civil society, youth organizations, social movements were not allowed to even assist officially in the fight against COVID nineteen. Wow, no, there was few that was not even essential imposed. workers. Well, exactly, they were not acknowledged formally as essential uh, workers, so there is no way they could effectively and efficiently contribute to the fight against COVID-19, it's only those maybe who have access to technology, we've managed to do that, but the majority of the young people have been locked down uh, in homes, there's been uh, pressure from citizens wanting to demonstrate, wanting to express their disgruntlement over the way the COVID-19 pandemic has been managed, but they couldn't do so as a lot of um and mechanisms were put in place to make sure that they do not exercise their right to free, uh, uh pet, free petition and assembly. So that has also affected the young people to to COVID-19.
0: Hmm. Okay, um, <laughs> thank you so much for all those um, um responses. Uh, but um, before we we just um, sign up on this particular episode, um, we need to look at um also because, like you said beyond COVID-19, there has been a lot of um, democratic issues. Um, some of the democratic ideas have not been up, been uphold in Zimbabwe. Uh, well, um, um, I'm being tempted to ask if at any point, even if there is a slight chance of possibly a, a 1% where the government actually um, partner with the youth or it was just all total... Um, the youth, the young persons and the government were just far apart. The citizens were distanced from the, from, from the government. So I'm asking if there is a partnership between um, the youth as a demograph and the government on tackling COVID-19.
1: I haven't seen that uh, partnership of late, maybe it's a work in progress, but I haven't seen it. There are a lot of uh, COVID-19 task force that were formed. Uh, it's the local level and the national level and the representation of youth is almost zero. There's no representation of young women and men. Uh, I cannot then testify to say, it, um, youth are being involved in terms of how to contribute to the fight against COVID-19. But of course, there's other youth initiatives that are being done by youth who belong to civil society, social movements. Albeit at a very minute level, low level. So it would have really meant much and also contributed to the impacts uh, in fighting COVID 19 if there was a deliberate effort to engage the youth, uh, to go and raise awareness within communities, within the schools, within. Um, Uh, public places so that people understand the implications of COVID-19 at a personal level, at a community level, and also at a national level.
0: All right. Um, Thank you so much. Um, At at this point, uh, we just have to sign off on on this segment of the program. Um, Thank you so much, um, Dewa, for coming and uh, for talking to us.
1: That's all right. Thanks very much. Thank
0: you so much. And that is all on this episode. Um, well, ensure that you stay tuned so that for the next episode you don't miss out.